0: Andrew and Nabil work in the Quadrum Institute in Norwich, UK, where they work on microbes in food and the impact on human health. I work at Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and am an adjunct member at the University of Georgia in the US.
1: I'm joined today by Neve Tumulty, who is the Head of Research Services and STEM Libraries at the University of Cambridge. So Neve and I were having a chat the other day about new variants. And there seemed to be a little bit of confusion. So we thought that we'd talk today and maybe try and clear some of this up.
2: Thanks for having me along, Andrew. So to start, maybe tell me a little bit about the level of change you see normally when you're doing genomic analysis. You know, for the first however many months of the work you were doing, you were always seeing a certain amount of variation in the genome, but you weren't calling them new variants. What was that level of what you were seeing before?
1: So over the past year, what we've been seeing is changes happen in the genome all the time, normally at about a rate of about two changes a month. And it's been, you know, quite like clockwork. And we've been using these changes to track the spread of different lineages throughout the world. So there have been uh, cases where particular lineages, so that is something that's genetically distinct, have popped up. Over the summer, the inc- incidence of uh, coronavirus is very low in the UK. And then everyone went on their summer holidays, and then they brought back lineages which were circulating in Europe. So in particular, there's one which uh, was first identified in Spanish agricultural workers, and then it spread to the local community, and then it spread to tourists, and then it spread to other countries. And then that became the dominant lineage in the UK. and in September, October, November, it was, you know, accounting for virtually all of the cases.
2: So you've been talking about a a normal level of change. You've been talking about different lineages that already existed in different places. Why are people now talking about variants rather than lineages? And what exactly is the difference between a variant and a different lineage?
1: My God, I mean, there is huge confusion over a lineage, a variant, a strain, and they're, they're not, you know, like super well defined. So there's a bit of wiggle room and fuzziness and everyone is confused. So generally, by normal people, they're interchangeably used, even by people in the field. It's confusing. What we use quite a bit is lineage, and that's because we want to look at clusters of genomes and then use that for genomic epidemiology. So saying is something similar or different? Where it gets confusing then is where you have a lot of changes and you want to get across that you know something is maybe concerning. And that's where the name new variant has come from.
2: So at what point does it stop just being a different lineage? And at what point do you decide to start calling it a new variant instead?
1: That's a very difficult question. And it came about because Public Health England said we have a variant under investigation and they gave it an ID number. So it was VUI uh, 2020 12 slash 01 because that was the, the month and the year. And it was the first one identified in that month. So, you know, a nice name and convention, a bit of a mouthful, but nice name and convention. And that's where then the word variant came up and people then started getting excited about it, particularly when the Minister for Health stood up and said, you know, this is a problem. And at that point, there's only one of them being talked about, but now we have about four of them at least, and there's probably gonna be more every day. And there's different competing trains of thought. Some people would say, you need to define a constellation of changes which may arise independently throughout the world. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. We're seeing similar changes in similar parts of the genomes arising totally independently in different parts of the world. And that's obviously because it gives some kind of advantage to the virus. So it might help it spread or might help it evade the immune system, that kind of thing. And these independent changes then, it makes the virus in some way fitter and it allows it to spread more. So as genome sequencing ramps up around the world, we're going to see more of these. We're also going to see a lot of panic where people have a have a look through their data, and they find oh I've got got a change here, it looks interesting, and then suddenly you know you have this big huge you know news flash saying oh we we've, we've got a, another variant and it's causing you know all this all these problems or might you know cause the end of the world. Well, you know we don't know. In terms of lineage, then that's a, that's for phylogenetics, And it's just a way of kind of categorizing things loosely and saying, well, these are similar, these are similar. Mm -hmm. And it's shorthand for what's similar, what's different.
2: So do you think then that people are going to start saying variant where two months ago, they would have just said new lineage?
1: Yeah. So (laughs) this is really confusing. Okay. So if you take what we have in the UK first of all it was VUI 2020 oh, uh, 1201 then it became variant of concern when they did a bit more investigation so then it's VOC 2020
2: referring 1201
1: to the same thing. yeah same thing then the press was calling it the Kent variant or mm-hmm. the UK variant or initially it's just the new variant and I'm doing air quotes here um which obviously doesn't translate to podcasting but there you go And then you have another group who have a a different naming scheme and they said it was like 20i slash 501y.v1, right? Just to deconstruct that, the first 20 is like the year and then i is like the hurricane naming scheme, you know, where you you give big events, you know, these individual letters, yeah. yeah. And then 501y is this major change that people think is linked to increased transmission and then v1 means it was like the first one found Mm -hmm. and that's great but then you have also a lineage name um which is decided by uh, olipibus's group and that's b1.1.7
2: so you're saying there's a whole load of different names for the exact same thing
1: yeah it's really confusing and so often, I am, um, you know, when I'm communicating with people, I'll put in like three or four different identifiers because I don't know which one they're actually using themselves. So it gets super complicated, super quick. But where it gets even more complicated is that as people started looking into this stuff more and they've found particular uh, concerning patterns, we've found more and more of these variants that people think are concerning. And so South Africa, Etulio de Oliveira came up and uh, with their sequencing, they, they found that actually there was a rapidly spreading lineage down there. And they found that actually it had a similar mutation to one that was in the UK. They arose independently, but similar. Mm -hmm. Of course they were smart and they made sure not to have their country's name associated with that variant and. So it's now, it was called 501y.v2 because the second time this particular mutation was identified and is of concern. But we call it as well b.1.351 and basically everyone is calling it, you know, lots of different things.
2: Let me stop you there. So I'm a librarian and I'm thinking, I'm listening to all of this and thinking, oh my god, how much more confusion could you create by labeling the exact same thing so many different ways. Why? Why do they label them all differently? I don't understand why they don't pick one and then call it that. Why have so many different ones?
1: It's pandemic and everyone is doing things very rapidly. Things are changing. There's no rules uh, properly set for this particular virus. And so different groups in different parts of the world are labeling it slightly differently. Some people are looking at just uh, phylogenetics. Some people are looking at things that are concerning. Mm-hmm. And it gets very confusing very quickly. Even people in the field don't understand most of this and I only have a, a, a passing grasp on it. So.
2: Well, because I thought, I thought metadata of this sort was very well established in that field. So that's what's fascinating to me, that obviously what's been working reasonably well in a normal pattern seems to be falling apart a little bit when it comes to Midst of a pandemic, when these changes are happening so rapidly, obviously all the different possible ways of naming things are being used instantly to mean the same, to to apply to the same thing.
1: Yeah, these names are being pumped out very rapidly. Um, you know, often within a few hours of a notice going out, they they'll have to label it so that the press and everyone can convey that this is the thing we're talking about, mm. because it gets so confusing so quickly. Yeah. Um. The WHO are trying to, I suppose, get some normality there and uh, bring people together. Mm. Um, but obviously, you know, it's so complicated. So within the field, people are now talking about constellations of mutations. And that just makes the names a little bit even worse because now you're not just talking about a few letters and numbers. You might be talking about, you know, three or four different mutations tacked mm. on to something else. And it can get very confusing to convey this information very quickly quickly mm-hmm. and so i suppose there is a need for shorthand with this
2: and you can see why the media so quickly go- starts calling it the kent variant or the south african variant or the one from brazil
1: so we have to say that uh, we're recording this on the 16th of january and that's very important because this stuff changes every day only yesterday there was confusion over brazilian variants because
2: you were saying there were two brazilian variants. Well, obviously there are many changes as we've established already. There are many different lineages, but there are two Brazilian variants that are currently being looked at.
1: This is where it gets confusing because a Japanese group identified uh, in Brazilian travellers that there was, you know, some serious changes that looked really bad and they sequenced them and they made it public. Um, That was just last weekend. And then there was no real data. There's very little data. It took time for it to come out. By that time, then more groups released data from Brazil and people got really, really confused at that point. So there are two interesting lineages or, or there are two in- interesting variants. Now labeled label P1 and P2 mm-hmm. to make things a little bit easier. Okay. So P1 is the... One that people are most concerned about, and uh, loads of changes, and um, particularly with E four eight four, sorry E E4, yeah E four eight four, and that is the one that people are panicking about, and that's in Amazonia. Um, is it Manatus or
2: Manaus? Isn't
1: it? Yes, and so that's where they're really uh, concerned. There've been no cases as of uh, last night in the UK of that type but there have been cases of a similar one with a similar history, but without most of the mutations. And that just has, you know, one of these particular mutations rather than, you know, a whole, you know, bucket loaded of them.
2: Mm-hmm. And, and that's the one that is in the UK.
1: That's the one that definitely is in the UK because I've looked at it and found it in our own data mm-hmm. in the East of England. And I've verified the mutations manually because, you know, you have to triple check this stuff before mm-hmm. you go and, and tell the clinicians there's a problem. And, Unfortunately the media picked things up incorrectly and so then there's lots of hype for a few minutes over something that didn't really exist and it was just that there was confusion over naming and so we have a crisis of naming variants of concern mm. in the world.
2: This must be incredibly challenging to manage because um, the research is all happening so fast there is understandably global interest in what's going on People want answers. I know you've had phone calls asking you to give a comment on something that you'd heard about three minutes beforehand. It's not really surprising that the message gets twisted at times.
1: Yeah, like last weekend, I had a journalist on asking what's going on with this um, Brazilian lineage. I shouldn't call it Brazilian lineage because that's confusing. (laughs) But anyway, at that time, there was only one people were interested in, which is P1. And that like we're basing everything off like a, a screenshot of a tweet and that someone had translated uh, from japanese into english people using google translate luckily someone in my group speaks uh, japanese and then you know we're we're basing it off that and then the ger- there's no data available in uh, in jisaid at all at that point you know being deposited it takes time mm. and so everyone was trying to base things off like partial information and it took, you know, another day or two for stuff to actually get out there and be released and be analyzed by people who actually know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so then there are two posts on virological kind of competing posts actually by Brazilian groups. And that really cleared it up. Certainly, one would uh, I think it's the Cade project who had done Zika sequencing, you know, really did clear a lot of that up, and you know, said, okay, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. These are mutations. This is how we're going to bring it under control. Yeah. But it is confusing, and I know that next week we're probably going to have more. Like these, they seem to be popping up like mushrooms. You know, there's going to be a load more. You know, when we wake up.
2: Well, yeah, especially as we say, if people start calling every new lineage a new variant, it's, it, yeah, the media's at some point, they're going to burn out, though, and stop being so interested in all these new variants.
1: God only knows. Hopefully quite quickly. But then, you know, you're going to be getting into, delving into problematic areas very rapidly, like you had in the US, Trump was talking about the China flu. Mm. That, that's why, when naming these kind of things, you want to get away from country names because you don't want to stigmatize things mm-hmm. like spanish flu and and this kind of thing they can stick around for a long time yeah so you got to be very very careful about it.
2: Mm-hmm. so one of the things i suppose we should talk about is how worried we should be about all of these different variants and it sounds like the answer is Increased transmissibility in the uh, sorry, can't call it the UK variant B.1.1.7, whatever it is. Sure. (laughs) Um, So, the increased transmissibility is a concern, even if the symptoms after it's been transmitted are similar to what was already there, purely because if it's being transmitted more quickly, then there will be more people having all of these symptoms in the full range, from mild, barely know you're ill, through to mortality. With the other variants, do we have any sense of what's going on with them? What effect these uh, clusters of mutations are having on those particular variants?
1: This is a problem, right? Because things happen so quick that people haven't had enough time to properly study the extra variance in the impact. And, you know, that takes a lot of time. It takes scientists in a lab Mm -hmm. quite a long time. So we have to look at maybe higher level things or kind of make educated guesses. And we don't have the luxury of having, you know, a year or two years to, you know, really dig into this stuff. It has to be done like Mm -hmm. sometimes hours or days, you know, people just knocking stuff out. And that is a problem. And there'd be many, many false alarms. Mm -hmm. We do know, or we could see very clearly from the UK variant, sorry, <laughs> B117. Uh, we know from that, that actually it does transmit more because during our lockdown here, we could see everything else going down and going extinct. And then this one, you know, was just shooting up rapidly. Mm-hmm. And it's it stabilised in, in our area in, in Norfolk at about 80% of all new cases, which is quite high like that's Mm -hmm. shockingly high and it's come from basically nowhere you know the first case in that area was maybe in mid-november you know Mm -hmm. and it suddenly come to dominate um with the variants in other parts of the world there is concern that maybe it changes how the antibodies work um maybe as a a way to evade Mm -hmm. and and live longer in your body stop being killed off um so a lot of that work is ongoing but certainly it's just going to take time for everyone to tease things out because something might look bad in by, a, you know, computer model, mm-hmm. but actually maybe it isn't bad in reality. Or it may be it's a combination of two or three or four different changes which make it, which change how it works. Yeah. Now, maybe we might find that some of these changes make things better. Maybe it lowers mortality. Maybe it makes it spread more easily or... You have a longer um infectivity period we don't know but there can be other changes which reduce the severity of disease mm-hmm. um fingers crossed for that but luckily virus uh, vaccines are coming along quite rapidly and being deployed quite rapidly so we'll protect the most vulnerable people in the population mm-hmm. we're not seeing any um vaccine escapes yet because obviously the vaccine hasn't been deployed widely enough mm-hmm. but that will be the next big thing coming up on the radar which will be vaccinated people getting COVID, and then trying to figure out what's gone wrong. Mm -hmm.
2: That's really interesting. Thank you for taking the time to tell me more about the difference between lineages, variants, and so on. I'll watch this
0: space.
1: Although, after listening to this, you're probably still confused, because I still am.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all so much for listening to us at home. If you like this podcast, Please subscribe and like us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the platform of your choice. And if you don't like this podcast, please don't do anything. This podcast was recorded by the Microbial Bioinformatics Group and edited by Nick Waters. The opinions expressed here are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of CDC or the Quadram Institute.